0: Round in the great big city
1: What happened to it?
0: Been banging around in this great big city Fast money in the life will never show you no fit it. Takes. Oh, I work hard trying to make my bones but times have changed and I just got to move. I can't run away, I can't run away, I can't run. I can't run away, I can't run away from the things that I've
1: done. Welcome to Writer's Tricks of the Trade. I'm Morgan St. James and I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes, along with my co-host, Dennis and Griffin. Our new show airs on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month, 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time and 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. The Writer's Tricks of the Trade Brand includes my book of the same name, and it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most online bookstores. I also publish a bi-monthly e-zine, a blog, and now this show with topics that will cover everything from A to Z, When it comes to writing and the book business, our guests are professionals in the publishing business as well as authors who will share some of their experiences and techniques. You can participate in tonight's show through our chat room or if you want to call in, just dial 646-478-0982. That's 646-478-0982. Our producer, Eric Miller, is in Long Beach, California at the Boucher Concom Writers Conference, but he'll be manning the switchboard on future shows. Tonight's show is R for Rivet Your Reader. You know, with so many high-tech distractions these days, readers are so easily lured away from books or articles or stories that probably would have held them captive only a few years ago. So what can the writer do to create that page-turner? That book a reader doesn't want to put down. Denny and I will be exploring things like grabbing the reader from the get-go, working with hooks. Um, Just imagine a fish hook that doesn't let the fish get away. (laughs) I'm not saying uh, that readers are fish, you understand. And some tricks you can use to keep the reader turning the pages. We'll also talk about what you need to avoid like the plague if you don't want your book to go back to the to-be-read file or worse yet, thrown away after only a few chapters or maybe even a few words. Just to give you some quick credentials, I've now Mm -hmm. written 11 books plus over 600 articles about the craft and business of writing and I frequently appear on panels, radio shows or give workshops. Denny has written 16 books. He's appeared on TV as a And as a speaker, a panel moderator, and Denny has hosted radio shows for the last eight years, so I'm working with a pro here. Uh, You can learn about me by visiting wwwmorganstjames authorcom or you can visit writerstricksofthetrade.blogspot.com, and there will always be a listing of upcoming new show topics. You can learn more about Denny at Biz. So now, without taking up any more time to sing our praises, let's jump right into riveting your reader. Hey, Denny, have you got something to say?
0: Yes, Morgan, first of all, congratulations on the new show. It's really, uh, I think, going to be a great thing and um uh, I remember when I was starting the writing business, I wish I'd have listened to a show like this because there was an awful lot that I didn't know. There's still a lot I don't know, but I was a total novice, and I could have used <laughs> I could have used some good guidance um would have saved me a lot of steps in my writing career so uh congratulations.
1: Oh, thank you. You know, I've learned so much through the years from people that are actually working in the trade, not from necessarily teachers who had never published a book. Um, when you go to workshops and you listen to shows like this, you find about the stories from the trenches. And um, You know, like what we're talking oh, about now. You give a reader the slightest reason to transfer their attention, and in this day and age, you could lose them. You know, back in the old days, authors could just, wax on rhapsodically about anything that popped into their heads or resulted from putting their quill pen to paper. So they'd go on and on describing dark landscapes like the Scottish Moors, every detail of a character's home, or they'd lust and desire. And, you know, the lust and desire seemed to last decades without anything ever happening. But that's not the case today. You got something to say about that?
0: Well, I I certainly agree wholeheartedly. There there are so many things out there today to, to grab the attention, and I know that uh, my wife is an avid reader, and she uh, she now when she reads a book, and if she isn't grabbed, if if she doesn't find it to be as, as we're calling a page turner, she will discard that book. Uh, put it down, and may never open it again if she's not if she's not interested. So it's very important to grab the attention and the interest of the reader. And you not only have to grab it, but you have to keep it. Because, yeah, like you say, get. the slightest distraction, they're gone.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, Thank one you way on to that. hold on to the reader is if you create something they can't or won't put down, Kind of like the art of using the written word to carry them through to the final page. And uh, I think probably one of the first things is having a killer opening, like you were saying. But then the thing is, what happens after that? You know, when the – oh, goodness gracious, my tongue got in the way of my eye teeth. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I couldn't see what I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) once the reader's mind is in the author's clutches then the question is does it stay there or does it escape off to something else because the writing is so ho-hum when you pick up a book with a, a dynamic beginning followed with something like well it might have happened just like that but here's the real story it's a lead that quickly hits a dead end. What do you do when you pick up a book like that?
0: Yes, it's, uh, it It can be a a definite, or should I say, turn off?
1: Or yeah, down. you know, I look at it and I think, why didn't they just tell me what happened? Why do I have to jump <laughs> through the hoops? <laughs> and I'm a quad, so I'd trip on the <laughs> hoops.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's uh, uh, You know Morgan I I really believe uh, When I first started writing um, I, I think uh, One of the first things I was told By, by someone I met who had some Experience was, was I think they Referred to it as the lead hook you know that was the Grabber the opening chapter uh, Preferably the opening page Or the opening fir- uh, first few paragraphs And um there wasn't so much thought, I don't think, and I'm going back 18 or 20 years now. There wasn't so much thought then. About, You're
1: giving away your age, Danny. We're just young unf-
0: kids here, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> but uh, there wasn't the emphasis on keeping the attention because the main thing was you hook them and then it was just kind of assumed because they had nothing else much to do. They didn't have all the distractions. That no matter how the book was written, they kind of stick with it. If you look, yeah, well, that's what the, I was
1: saying. Like the fish flopping around on the hook, and even if it wanted to get away, it can't. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? Let's let's take a hypothetical thing. Let's mm-hmm. set up an example with a hook. Um, let's say maybe the story is about a healthcare organization and they're ripping off the government. So, so let's assume the hook there is. Was it really conceived and carried out simply to generate record-breaking profits, as Winston claimed? Okay, so we know Winston as a character. Winston is probably a whistleblower. And now, by putting that little question in the reader's mind, you know, was that the only reason that he did it, for record-breaking profits? So it does tell the reader that there's something wrong. What would you think if you were reading a thing like that? I mean, would you think that there might be something more going on and you wanted to keep reading to find out, well, what's this other thing they're alluding to?
0: Exactly. I would want to get the answer to the question you asked. Was it really conceived? And I would want to find out.
1: Yeah, so um, the hook shouldn't be buried. You know, it needs to clamp shut at the earliest time. Grab onto that reader before they have a chance to consider even the slightest waiver in their attention. And give them the rebuttal to that so what before they say it, and then they'll keep reading. I mean, just like you said, you know, something like that would grab you. You'd want to know what was foreshadowed there. Did Winston have an ulterior motive? And there could have been a gazillion things that would have motivated him to do what he did. So, okay, let's say after that we take them down a road with lots of twists and turns so that we keep the interest churning. And, you know, having lived in California for many years, I think of a canyon like Benedict Canyon with 15 mile an hour hairpin curves, you know, where you, if you don't, make that curve you're going to go off the deep end so you're going to just keep with it You, you want to see what's happening and you don't want them to take a detour so don't even give them a route to take a detour and you know i hate books that go off on tangents and i'm trying to figure out what what's happening in the questions they've posed for me And all of a sudden, they're off on a whole different vent. I'm going, hey, wait a minute, get back to that story. You know, you got five minutes. If you (laughs) don't get back to it, man, you're in the trash. And um, I I can tell you about one book. I can never remember the title of it, but it took place at the High Point Furniture Market in in South Carolina. And I was an interior designer for years. So, you know, I know about stuff like that. And they had this whole thing where she, the author was leading up to this, you know, you're going to go off the cliff kind of thing. And, and you're trying to figure out, okay, okay, what's going to happen next? And all of a sudden she brings in a character that hasn't got a darn thing to do with the story. I and mean, he's some kind of a rug cleaner that ruined a rug because a dog peed on it. You know, which had nothing to do with the story, and she goes on for two chapters about how this rug cleaner was trying to clean the rug, and I'm thinking, oh well, maybe this has something to do. You know, it's a backstory. Something's going on here I don't know about. And then, boom, the rug cleaner's gone, and we're back into the story. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, those are the kind of things you got to avoid by the, like the plague. And, and I do remember when I first started writing the first published book that I actually had, was one that has just been reissued in a second edition, A Corpse in the Soup, which was the first Silver Sisters mystery. And my sister and co-author, Phyllis, who will be a guest on our show in December, um, we went off on tangents. And we were working with an editor who who said exactly what I've just said. You know, you can't take them on a little journey around the park while they're trying to figure out who the killer is or who's going to get killed next. And so we learned an awful lot from that editor. And while there were cute little stories that were kind of side stories, we developed the technique of giving Flossie, the mother, who's an 80-year-old former magician's assistant. Her husband was one of the five great Harrys of magic. or Excuse me, I added two Harrys, the three Harrys of magic. And so we made her just be a little forgetful. So she'd start going off on a tangent on a story, and we'd let her have like maybe one line into the story. And her brother-in-law, who was also a magician, would say, hey, old girl, you're running off the tracks. Does this have anything to do with what we're trying to figure out? And she'd say, no, but it was a good story. You know, so that way we kind of got that in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> without diverting the reader and having them go down the merry path while somebody's getting their, you know, head bashed in. Have you had any experiences yeah. like that?
0: Well, I'll tell you, I, as, as we were talking, I was thinking about something. It's not quite like that, but uh, I, I wanted to mention, while it's in my mind, something about uh, you, we mentioned that if the if after the opening hook and, and the initial um, – getting the reader interested, if you end up then from there, you end up with a ho-hum, boring um, boring chapters and boring story that you can lose the reader. And another way I found that, uh, and I remember this, it was several years ago, I was booked to do a, a segment on a local TV show that uh, profiled local authors, entertainers, artists, and so forth. So I was... Uh, Talking to the host before the show went live, and we were talking about some of my books and I asked him what he read and so forth and um he was telling me he he liked I, at the time I was writing mystery thriller fiction, and he said that he was into that, and he said he had one particular author I won't mention the name, but he had been a fan of this author's for several years and had read everything the guy had written and he recently, however, said that he had stopped reading because he had this uh, the host of the show, said that he had lived for about three years in New Orleans, and he was oh. very excited to hear his favorite author's next book was going to be a private detective story based in New Orleans. And he said he opened the book, and he got about halfway through the first chapter. He put the book down, never opened it again. And never purchased another book by this author. And I says, Well, what in the world happened? I said, You were a you know, apparently a very loyal fan and you really like this guy. Mm-hmm. And he said he, he said he came across a paragraph in that opening chapter where the private detective was doing a surveillance, um a vehicle surveillance, and he made a left hand turn onto a, off of one street onto another street specific street the guy says i lived in new orleans i knew the streets ran parallel you could not turn off of one to another
1: he yeah, said, oh that that is a classic yeah. that's a classic
0: he put the book down yeah and I, that was that was the end
1: so you know that's one of the things of get your facts right because there will be a lot of people that don't know the area that you're talking about, and you can get away with that. But the readers that have either lived there or been there or spent time there, they're going to pick up on those little things. So research and make sure. Um, I, one of my pet peeves was, a, again, a high-profile write, writer, and I was reading a book that took place in L.A., and same kind of thing. They got off a freeway um, exit that didn't exist, which was the worst possible way to get to the area they were going to because it would take them two times as long as if they'd turned onto another freeway. And I'm going, they didn't research that. They don't know what the area is. But one of my best ones was uh, somebody had given me a book uh, that they wanted me to review, and it took place in a city that most most Americans have no knowledge of, which is Maastricht in the Netherlands. And it 's right by the um, Belgian border, and it's really a very interesting medieval town, and it's charming and it's it's lovely and This writer set their book in Maastricht, and what they did is made it dark and dank, and they made it be that the protagonist felt like he'd been punished because he'd been sent there and you know it was funny i'd been to Maastricht twice and I said to him, is there any particular reason that you chose that city? Is it some place you've spent time in? And he said, um, no, I like the sound of the name and, you know, the fact that it was a medieval city, I thought it would be a good place to kind of uh, banish this guy to. And um, I said, well, I, I could tell you hadn't been there. He said, you could? I said, yes, because I have been, and you got it absolutely wrong. So, yeah, that can be a real pitfall. And one of the other things that – oh, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say that uh, I've actually now spoken to some fiction writers over the years, and some of them are under the impression that because it's fiction, there's no research required at all. I mean, their attitude is, well, it's fiction. I can say whatever I want to say. It doesn't make any difference. And I I disagree Boy, with that philosophy. I
1: see that red light going off and spinning around like crazy. Alert, alert, <laughs> alert. <laughs> Thou shalt not <laughs> deviate from the norm on a real place. Now, you can create a place, and you can create a street maybe that doesn't exist, but put it in a suburb that doesn't exist. You know, do something where it isn't something that just stands out like a sore thumb. And, you know, I think one of the other things that we have to talk about, because our time is getting short, I think we have to talk about writing tight. And I don't mean drunk. (laughs) I mean to get rid of all the unnecessary adjectives and adverbs and words that are overused until they're so tired they could sleep 24 hours. I mean, right. I came from writing magazine articles, and um, when I got into fiction, it was a whole different thing than writing magazine or newspaper articles. Because in the media, you have just a short space that you have to get your things across, and so you do do what are called information dumps because you have to squish as much as you can into those column inches that you have. But when you do information dumps in Uh, fiction or in non-fiction it's boring and the people again they get turned off they drop the book you've got to feed those things out in small doses maybe through conversation or uh, just revealing a little bit at a time but when you go on for paragraphs and paragraphs with information dumps it just doesn't work one of my pet peeves by the way And it took me a while to get out of it, you know, because I'd been conditioned into it. And then here I am writing fiction, writing with you. We've written two books together, and um, those were both memoirs as told to us. And so I'm on the balancing thing of writing fiction, nonfiction, and in the meantime, putting together an e-zine, Writing articles for examiners, so I'm kind of balancing on that tight wire. Thank God I wasn't like the guy who walked across the buildings in Chicago recently, (laughs) on the tight wire. But uh, it would be real easy to fall off the edge, you know, and go back to doing information dumps. So that's a a yellow caution light. And do we have any other things that we think are really, really – oh, timeline – You have to make sure things are happening in the right sequence and you have to make sure that your characters are consistent. I mean, unless they're flipping into the beauty shop, you know, if they're blonde in one chapter and five chapters down the line, their auburn hair is glinting in the sun, um, people are going to pick up on that as well. Or maybe somebody who had a full head of hair is suddenly bald. Denny, Denny, are you there? Denny? Oh, my goodness. It looks like I have lost Denny. Well, this has been an interesting show, and um, I guess we're going to carry on from here without my co-host. He seems to have dropped off the radar We've got six minutes and 38 seconds left, and a few words to talk about. Um, If you want to rivet your readers, come up with something that's new and original. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be totally original, but you can put a different spin on things. You can go ahead and take one line. That describes what a scene is going to be, and if you look at it with a what-if question in your mind, then it can be amazing because you can take the same thing and have it go in twenty different directions, and you will have a story that's gripping if you stay true to that. If you let's let's say you have um, somebody who's in a romance and um, they're suddenly stop talking to the other person and there's no explanation, no anything. Ask yourself the question, why? Why did they do something like that? Could it possibly be that um, there's something else that's there that they don't know about? You know, maybe the person is sick. Maybe the person has some terrible secret they're trying to hide. Maybe they're uh, a criminal and they haven't said anything about that. Or maybe they are... um, You can think of a a tremendous amount of things. Uh, You can set it in different settings. And you can have it go... It can be sci-fi. It can be romance. It can be mystery. It can be all kinds of things. And the only trick is that you have to stay true to where you're going with it. Um, I I know I seem at a loss, but I didn't expect to lose my co-host just as the show was winding down. But I guess that kind of thing happens when you are... Um, Doing a debut show, there's always the unexpected. Um, One of the first lessons that I learned when I was transitioning from magazine articles to writing fiction was that you have to keep an open mind. You have to put yourself in that position of the reader and think, what are the things that would make me stick to a book? Think about some of the writers that you really like, and what is the talent that they have that keeps you riveted to the book? You'll be surprised at some of the things you come up with. And, you know, I'm not saying to copy their writing style. What I'm saying is to pay attention to the way that they have crafted their book, pay attention to the little devices they use. And not only that, but pay attention to the things that you don't like about it. Pay attention to things that make you think about putting a book down and then avoid them like the plague, as I've said before. Because if it turns you off, the likelihood is that it's also going to turn a reader off. You can... um, You can look at your hooks and, you know, maybe you have a double hook. Maybe you have a twist. These aren't only for mystery books, the twists. The twists are really interesting when you intersperse them and you get your reader going down a road where they think they know where they're going, but you're dropping hints along the way. You're doing little things that foreshadow what might be coming fairly soon. And that gets their mind going. And that hooks them into the book as well because if in their mind they're trying to solve what could be happening in the future, then they're going to keep turning the pages because they don't want to give up at that point. They want to know, well, where is this going? Did I get it right? Did I take myself down the wrong road? And then they might be starting to ask themselves the what-if questions that you've asked when you were writing the book. So I think we've given you know quite a few of the uh, hints that you can use when you're writing. Whether you're a seasoned writer or you're a novice, there's just always so much to learn. And one of the things that I always say when I'm giving talks is, When you're a writer and actually in almost any other profession, you never stop learning. You never stop learning. If you stop learning, that's when things get really stagnant. And that's, again, when you can lose the reader. So learn from your mistakes. If you've done things and you get a bad review, don't beat yourself up. Learn from it. Learn how to hang on to your readers. And when that happens, you will probably have created a page turner.